Hello everyone, I'm Shannon and I'm here with Katie and this is the Back to Nature podcast. So today's episode is all about mindfulness and well-being and we're going to cover meditation, Buddhism and we're even going to talk a little bit about our own spiritual journey. So Shannon's going to start us off today reading an extract from a book that she has recently read. I am indeed. Uh, here we go, touching the earth. Yeah, so I really, I really loved this. It was just a, a short chapter in the book. Uh, it was titled Touching the Earth, um, and it just really resonated with me. And I think it's a really interesting and enlightening piece of writing. Uh, and it's by um, Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, so he's a famous Vietnamese monk, um, and he's written several books uh, kind of translating uh, his teachings his buddhist teachings uh for for a western audience um and his his book is just titled the the pocket tiknatan so that's where this excerpt is from so touching the earth in the buddhist tradition i am part of we do a practice called touching the earth every day it helps us in many ways you too could be helped by doing this practice when you feel restless or lack confidence in yourself or when you feel angry or unhappy you can kneel down and touch the ground deeply with your hand Touch the earth as if it was your favourite thing or your best friend. The earth has been there for a long time. She is mother to all of us and she knows everything. The Buddha asks the earth to be his witness by touching her with his hand when he had some doubt and fear before his awakening. The earth appeared to him as a beautiful mother. In her arms she carried flowers and fruit, birds and butterflies and many different animals and offered them to the Buddha. The Buddha's doubts and fears instantly disappeared. Whenever you feel unhappy, come to the earth and ask her for help. Touch her deeply, the way the Buddha did. Suddenly, you too will see the earth with all her flowers and fruit, trees and birds, animals and all the living beings that she has produced. All these things she offers to you. You have more opportunities to be happy than you ever thought. The earth shows her love to you and her patience. The earth is very patient. She sees you suffer, she helps you and she protects you. And when we die, she takes us back into her arms. With the earth... You are very safe. She's always there in all her wonderful expressions like trees, flowers, butterflies and sunshine. Whenever you are tired or unhappy, touching the earth is a very good practice to heal you and restore your joy. I think the beauty of Thich Nhat Hanh's writing really lies in its simplicity, really lovely poetic language, but the lessons and the the meaning and the advice that it's delivering um, is just simple and easy to understand and easy to implement um, yet behind it I think lies some really amazing wisdom. Kate, Katie what did you think of uh, that excerpt? So I really like it because I think it's a really good example of how we can do such a simple thing and it can reap so many benefits for us so just doing uh, as you say a simple thing like touching the earth Um, it can really help us reconnect with nature and just with the present moment because I think so often we spend our times in our head worrying about, you know, all these different societal pressures, work, maybe school, and just doing something that really brings you back to the present and brings you back to nature can just be quite healing. And it is such an easy thing to do yet so many people overlook how these simple actions and practices can just be so beneficial to us 
And so, Shannon, I know that you're quite into things like Buddhism, and that's something that I'm yet to explore as an individual. And so I wonder, does this extract um, really resonate with the sort of Buddhist practices? Well, I mean, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh was, or is, I think he's still alive. I think he's still alive. Well, either way, he uh, he's he's a leading Buddhist monk. Uh, and I think definitely through this book, you know, he is trying to really convey the essence of Buddhism and its and its key teachings. And I guess it, it is his particular interpretation of, of Buddhism. And he's kind of acquired a bit of a, he's acquired a bit of a cult himself now, really. Uh, and, I, and, and I suppose maybe he, you know, represents a, a branch of Buddhism in him, in himself, I suppose, in some ways. But this particular extract, yeah, I think it really does actually epitomize what Buddhism is is all about, really. This this touching the earth practice, I think it really, that does represent what Buddhists are seeking to do, which is to connect both with them, themselves and connect with, with the the concept of the self and you you know your deepest self beneath all the all the layers of thoughts and you know emotions and what's on the surface but connecting with this deeper sense of consciousness and being so connecting with the natural self and then also connecting with with nature uh, and the wider web that that we're a part of I think that's the second element of that and touching the earth I think this this idea is you know just just so simple touching the ground and really connecting with that sense you know that, that we are a, a part of this planetary system we're a part of so many different ecosystems and you know we we I think we we kid ourselves that that we're not but fundamentally um we are uh and you know we're part of this this larger fabric um I suppose um and you know connected with every other atom every other particle I suppose we're all part of this uh this one whole I mean would you would did, I know you're not um particularly into Buddhism yourself Katie but but just that that sentiment is that something that that resonates with you as well yeah so I think the only reason why I wouldn't say I'm into Buddhism is because I simply haven't explored it and looked into it but I think um the beliefs in general are definitely something that I agree with I think what you say about interconnectivity in particular is something that I find quite interesting and that's one thing that I've found with my own meditation practices and just mindfulness in general is that it seems to sort of affect you not on uh, an individual level but also on a greater level so I think things like meditation and mindfulness they sort of have all these different layers to them you have a sort of primary layer that it's affecting yourself um you know it's quite beneficial for bringing mental peace and more clarity and can also help you on your own sort of self-exploration and spiritual journey and then on a secondary level you then have the effect that it has on other people around you so these um, individual effects then sort of resonate uh, with other people and you know, your actions influence the actions of others. So if you're leading a more peaceful, mindful lifestyle, that's going to influence others as well. And then on top of that, you have this worldwide interconnected web that you speak of. We are part of an ecosystem and we are all connected in some ways. We're not just ourselves, but we are each other. And 
I think that, you know, it's quite important to look at ourselves not only as just an individual, but also a collective. And so I think on that level, I definitely do agree with Buddhism, but I certainly do need to do more research into it because it's something that does interest me. I just haven't been um, proactive enough to sort of look into it. Oh no, don't don't you wouldn't wouldn't say you haven't been proactive enough. I mean, I suppose with a spiritual journey it happens the way it happens, it unfolds how it unfolds. And, you know, you became a vegetarian at the age of was it sixteen or whatever it was. I don't know if that was spiritual though. <laughs> Awareness of others. <laughs> well, I guess I just mean in terms of self-development slash spiritual it doesn't I mean I, I'm just all I'm trying to say is that I think we do things at different stages and you shouldn't try and force something you know your interest in Buddhism will probably be kindled at some point down the line in a very natural way <laughs> to return to that word um, but I'd, I'd just like to to pull out one of one of the phrases that, that you just used which I really liked that the idea of we are not ourselves we, we are not only ourselves we are we are each other I, I really like that that concept um quite a you know a positive unifying resonance to it I suppose um so so yeah I just just wanted to to touch on that um and I also thought it could be interesting maybe for me to read the titles of the different chapters in this in this book maybe to shed a bit more light on I suppose what what Buddhism is all about and what it teaches and what are its you know key key principles. So he's got a first chapter just on on mindfulness, which is uh, I mean it, it originates I suppose from several different Eastern traditions, but Buddhism is definitely one of them. So he has a chapter on a, or a, a large part of the book on on mindfulness. Uh, he says a life of miracles, your true home, concentration, freedom resting, loving presence, mindfulness of breath, walk like a Buddha, touching the earth, that's where I read from, mindful living, ruling the five skandhas, habit energy, darkness becomes light, a day of mindfulness. That idea of a day of mindfulness, I actually uh, decided to implement that into my, into my own life quite recently and I try and dedicate a day or half a day every once in a while to just purely being being mindful <laughs> um, and then he's got another part on enlightenment into being the buddha impermanence deep seeing nothing to attain beyond birth and death pure land the two dimensions hide and seek no fear and he's got a part on emotions and relationships so i think buddhism is actually quite closely connected to uh psychology um which you might not, you wouldn't necessarily make that connection, but I think Buddhism is actually a lot about exploring the mind and trying to understand the mind, not to conquer it, but just to just to understand the way it works, I suppose, and be able to then move into the kind of seat of just pure awareness of whatever is there. Um, so under emotions and relationships, we've got the wounded child inside, appropriate attention, the second arrow, seeds, blocks and knots, weathering strong emotions, taking care of your anger, mindfulness of consumption, hugging meditation, the energy of love, understanding, four mantras, mindful communication, your true person, 
wrong perceptions, letting go, inferiority, healing the past and walking with your parents. All these chapters are only about two pages long, by the way, if you're thinking that this seems like a lot. And then we've got a part on peace, the spiritual dimension of politics, seeds of violence, engaged Buddhism, heroism, a thousand arms of the Bodhisattva, the peaceful revolution, labels, inclusiveness, reconciliation, children of the earth, art and peace work. Uh, so yeah, I thought that might just shed a little bit of light on on what Buddhism's all about. So, Katie, do you do you think you're you might go away maybe after this episode based on that uh, list of kind of topics and ideas and do a bit of research? Quite possibly. I I quite like how and this is something I hadn't appreciated before how Buddhism also incorporates the more emotional side of things. And I guess I should have probably picked up on that because I know you went to a Buddhist retreat and did a lot of emotional um, searching. Yeah, work, that's Mm. the word. Mm. Um, And a lot of, uh, you know, digging inside and understanding your own emotional state and how to better control some more negative ones. Um, And I think that's something that I could benefit from. I think everybody could benefit from it. Um, you know, in some ways, meditation and mindfulness is a light form of therapy, I guess. And the extent that you take it to um, could really help probably deal with some past traumas. But I'm not saying you should substitute, you know, mindfulness for therapy, um, but they go hand in hand, I think. And I think they can really help um, catalyze your own uh, self-awareness and emotional journey um, but yeah I think uh, I, I certainly will have a look into it and use Buddhism as a tool of self-development I guess but seeing as um, this is something that you've done a lot of personal research into and have benefited greatly from do you want to share to our listeners a bit about your own spiritual journey and journey with Buddhism in general. Sure, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to. Yeah, I can, I can talk about that. Buddhism is a very recent um, exploration of mine, um, but even, even meditation, it's only been uh, about two years. Yeah, it was, it was literally about kind of two years ago, around this time that I first heard about this mindfulness course at, at my university, Cambridge, uh, which was being led by Elizabeth English, uh, who is an amazing woman uh and she ran this this course uh she and she's she's a kind of official mindfulness practitioner at, at Cambridge Uni uh, and she's also a member of the Buddhist order um and she's now a really good friend of mine and she's just a really a really wonderful person I've learned a lot from her um and it was her course that, that got me into mindfulness and 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 the way she led it because she just has this incredible understanding of the concept of mindfulness and the exact uh sensation and the state of meditation and 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 how that feels i suppose and 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 how we experience that she she really grasps that and then manages to convey that through her guided meditations um and it's yeah i think it's it's just a really wonderful um style of of meditating and, and, and quite unique um so yeah, it was it was her course that, that really got me into mindfulness, and then that led me to apply to become the president of the 
mindfulness society at my university so I started um, organizing events uh, with speakers and f- famous mindfulness practitioners and writers and for example Sharon Salzberg uh, she's quite a famous practitioner we we hosted her um, and I just met lots of like-minded people and I just really started to get deeper into my meditation I think that that that's taken time to to establish a, a you know a regular practice but I feel like I'm at that point now and I also do a lot of yoga I've recently started ashtanga yoga um, and I just feel so curious about spiritualism and the and the possibilities for taking my my journey further and in and in different directions I'm just very open-minded I'm not committing myself to anything at this point I'm just exploring um, and really enjoying lots of different meditation styles I've learned transcendental meditation and then I also do mindfulness meditation I've just joined the Buddhist center in the in the area where I live in Palma because I've recently moved here and that's a very different style of Buddhism to the to the one that I'm familiar that I was familiar with from the retreat that I've been on um Oh yeah, I should probably, I guess, briefly mention that as well. I think Katie referred to it before, but yeah, I went on a Buddhist meditation retreat in Taraloka, which is an all-women's retreat center uh, in South Wales. Uh, that was back in, in July in the summer, and it was an absolutely wonderful week. And we were just meditating, you know, three or four times a day, and I just met some really amazing women who who are on their own spiritual journeys and just kind of sharing in that and just being fully immersed in this kind of mindful slow slowed down aware way of living and there were these workshops there's discussions and everyone was just so authentic uh and I think that's why I loved about it so much it just it just felt very very real and I, I felt very vulnerable it was a really useful and enlightening experience uh because I think Buddhism has so much that it can uh, teach us just for ha- how to deal with kind of typical uh, emotional difficulties and, and, and distress that we all suffer, but we're not taught how to, how to, how to cope with it. Um, and I do think Buddhism and well, just mindfulness, even in a secular form, just does offer us so many tools. Um, as Katie said, it definitely goes hand in hand with therapy. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's, that's my my journey and and at the moment now I'm just meditating regularly I've joined my Buddhist center and just kind of seeing where where it all takes me really what about you Katie because I remember you actually meditated when we were in school together I guess when we were 16 and I definitely wasn't into it at that time but I knew you were and I remember feeling quite I don't know curious but I was I just didn't really know much about it at that time and I wasn't, I don't think I was as open-minded. I definitely wasn't as open-minded then as I am now. So what's your journey with mindfulness and meditation? So I think my journey revolved less around the sort of emotional and spiritual side. I initially started meditating because I actually don't know what the the reason was, but I think um, I just heard that it was quite beneficial and it was exam season so I was like well I may as well give it a try and found that it was actually incredibly helpful for increasing my productivity attention span and concentration and so before every exam I would uh, meditate have a cup of matcha and 
feel really great just entering um the exam I felt like I had a lot of mental clarity matcha sorry I just you continue in a minute but matcha I have recently got into matcha and I, I think it's it's excellent I'm really enjoying it yeah and it's so good for you so many health benefits right and then it also just makes you feel extremely alert and gives you more mental clarity so yeah just wanted to jump in there but please continue with telling the audience about your mindful journey um you're right though matcha is a different kind of mental clarity my thoughts were just so clear and I had to um, remember a lot of equations especially for some stats exams and in the past I really struggled recalling those but I could literally just like visualize the equation perfectly right after doing this uh, little ritual that I had And so, yeah, I found um, after exam period that it was really useful. And so I decided to continue doing it. I imagine, though, uh, I can't remember for sure, but I probably sort of slacked a bit when it was less needed, uh, which is not the approach to take with mindfulness, because it's really easy to slip out of that routine um, if you don't feel like you need to do it. But it's, I think it's something that you should constantly try to incorporate into your daily life because that's when that's when the benefits will be most subtle but I imagine most powerful it's then since joining uni just continued meditating also started exploring yoga and found that I really enjoyed it because I'm quite a restless person and my body reflects that a lot I'm always fidgeting and so yoga really helps me with that. It just feels like it's meditation, but for my body. And so combining the two of them, um, I found really, really helpful. And it's just like an energy release for me. And I know Shannon, um, we used to do over lockdown, like a session where we would do some yoga together online and then meditate after it. And I found that really helpful. Um, mm. It was a really good session. For one, to stay in contact because we hadn't seen each other for so long. And two, just to make sure that you don't get caught up in the routine of work, just like waking up, eating, working. It was a nice break. I guess I've always done things like mindfulness and meditation for the sort of practical solutions of it. And I think uh, that in general is a reflection of my personality because I don't know, Shannon, if you'd agree, but I like to look at things quite objectively and see the value in them and along with this objectiveness is like I like to see scientific reason in it and this is probably one exception where I don't think there is all that much scientific evidence behind mindfulness and meditation but to me that doesn't matter because it doesn't negate the effects that I feel of it. I suppose there is uh, correlational research you know which which shows that mindfulness is known to you know improve mental health and anxiety uh, for example and d- depression I think as well there are some studies there are plenty of studies into into that and that it improves cognition oh yeah I know there were there are but like they're still quite vague and correlation doesn't mean causation but I'm pretty sure the brain waves changes when you meditate and so there is some scientific evidence but I don't know I don't think it's solid as you say I guess it is experiential really um the the effect of it and you you really have to 
just experience it yourself to to understand it I guess rather than just knowing it scientifically and cognitively yeah I think that's the thing with meditation and mindfulness in general is that it serves different purposes so if you're seeking a more emotional value out of it you can achieve that or if you're looking to sort of connect with your spiritual beliefs then you can do that too and for me it was more just reaping the practical rewards of it and that sounds so wrong and kind of transactional but I think that's one area that I'm learning to grow and appreciate about meditation and mindfulness is that I shouldn't just do it to you know have increased mental clarity but I should also do it to explore my own spiritual beliefs and also look into my own emotional state because for me as an individual my emotions are something that I neglect quite a bit and so it's something that I'm quite uncomfortable talking about but I could actually probably benefit a lot from it Um, and I also think though the fact that it's so multifaceted is why it's quite difficult to pinpoint scientifically the benefits of it because I mean, the pe- like people out there who meditate and practice yoga, they do it for all these different reasons. And some people, it benefits them for things like anxiety and depression. Other people do it for other benefits. So I think that's kind of the beauty of it, is that it's up to your own exploration of it to pinpoint what exactly you can benefit from and how you can start to explore those other areas that it can help develop. Yeah, I think I think it is a very individual experience, and that's is is another reason why it's quite hard to to measure the benefits science scientifically. Um, just looking at a few statistics, I mean, it, it improves anxiety levels sixty percent of the time, so just over half. So, you know, it, it can improve anxiety clearly, and this is obviously a a majority, but there's. of people for whom it you know it hasn't and this evidence is obviously correlational but there isn't any evidence which I I suppose is maybe you know utterly and absolutely clear and the majority of it is um, you know just based on correlations with people's experiences and I think I think there are some studies which show you know it does it does kind of change our our cognition and it obviously relaxes the physical body as well um but you know that's just observational really no one really understands you know and and no one should necessarily try to to really understand the you know the the depth of it because I guess that's what it means to be a spiritual seeker it's to just be I suppose content with not fully understanding it but just to be on a, a constant journey and to just have faith in the kind of process of that I suppose um, you know, I guess that's, that's what a, being a spiritual seeker is really, is really all about. And, you know, as we're trying to understand, you know, higher consciousness and, and what it all means, maybe there is no om, omnipotent, you know, being or figure or force, maybe it's trying to understand itself as well. Uh, that's sometimes the way I think of it, I suppose. Would you say you you'd you'd agree with that, Katie, or do you think there is some some kind of uh, you know all powerful, all knowing force out there? Yeah, and I think that theory of yours coexists very nicely with this idea of an interconnected web that 
you know, perhaps this higher being is this interconnectivity. And so our collective consciousness is God. And I say that with quotation marks because I don't believe in the traditional ideas of God. Exactly. And I think that this interconnected web that you that you talk about, this this collective sense of consciousness, it's you know, it's really a, a ream of deep stillness and peace, but also of joy and intense aliveness. So this was a quotation from Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, uh, which is quite a famous book uh, on, I suppose, the essence of meditation and how to kind of bring that into into your life. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think this this quote just really captures uh, the the kind of two sided essence of, of of this experience of consciousness, of awareness, awareness of you in this moment, which you really f- which you feel and which you access when you when you meditate. You know, it's 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 both stillness and it's joyous and, and and energetic at the same time. It's it's you're calm, but you're alert, uh, and 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 I think I, that's what makes it so incredible. I think those and and that's that's the yin and yang. You know, that's the two sides of it. Um, and I and we thought that we could maybe give you uh, our, our listeners a, a taste, I suppose, of 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 this through through uh, a, a guided meditation uh, which which uh, I can lead uh, so whether you're you know an experienced meditator uh, or you've never practiced before uh, you know this this meditation is is perfect um, so just uh, you know get into a comfortable position and and enjoy uh, or you can switch off the podcast now if you're if you're not interested uh, but but we hope that you can kind of share in this in this experience so if everyone would like to just make themselves comfortable getting into a you know position whether it's seated or or lying down and perhaps you might want to let the eyes gently close uh, or just soften your gaze whichever you prefer And we're just going to begin by tuning into the breath as it is in this moment, not trying to change it in any way, just being aware of the breath in and out, the body rising and falling softly. So that's all we're doing, just being aware of the breath. Perhaps letting your attention settle on a particular part of the body where you can sense into the breath, if that feels good for you.
You might feel it in the stomach, rising and falling slowly, a bit higher up in the chest, the heart area. Or you might sense it actually passing through the nostrils, slight coolness. Or warmth, perhaps. However it is for you, just paying attention. Now, if you wish, you might want to take a few deeper breaths and sense into the new sensations that that might produce for you. So perhaps in through the nose. And then letting it out slowly through the mouth. And as you breathe in, just really think about that sense of energy and aliveness that the breath brings to your body. Breathing in life and joy. And then breathing out, focus on relaxing the muscles in the body calm, peace, slowing down. And it's that beautiful polarity that's represented by the breath. And just notice any new feelings or sensations that might arise, perhaps feeling more still and at ease, perhaps also energised, but perhaps you might be feeling sleepy or restless and that's okay too, just sit with whatever's there.
thoughts may pop up from time to time or emotions or noise, feelings of restlessness, but that's okay. Just welcome whatever's there and, and then just return to the breath. It's your anchor for meditation. If, if you want it to be, you you can also just focus on the feeling of the body. If you, if you prefer Thoughts are just clouds floating across the sky, soon to dissipate and become meaningless. And they're separate from you. You are not your thoughts. As this meditation comes to a close, you might just want to roll the shoulders or swivel the neck or twist the body, any kind of stretch which feels good, if you like. And then whenever you're ready, just gently opening the eyes if they were closed. Well, thank you all for for tuning in. I think that draws this episode quite nicely uh, to a close. Thank you all very much for listening and we'll see you all next week. Bye for now.